Hello, everyone. Glad to be back. Conversations with Terry Law and Scott Law podcast. This is Scott. And this is Terry. Glad to be here. Uh, we are talking with Ray Bevan again today, dad's best friend. Uh, he's stuck in South Africa because of COVID-19. So we figured we would, uh, I don't know, help him share a little bit of his, uh, his love of grace um, in, in a message today. And so we're going to call him um, and get him linked up here and see. Here we go. This is from Tulsa, Oklahoma to South Africa directly. Hey, Terry. Welcome. All right. Well, uh, yeah, thanks, man. Shall I go go straight into it? Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. What I'm going to share with you basically changed my life, this revelation. And if you want a title for the message, it's called Remember the Duck. Um, Let me explain. Remember Um, the Duck. Johnny and the Duck. Oh, the Duck. Remember the Duck. Yeah, okay. remember the okay. deck. I, I, I got you. D-U-C-K, right? Quack, quack. You got it. Remember okay. the deck. So so Susie and Johnny were brother and sister, and every uh, year they used to go on holiday to their grandmother's farm. And Johnny thought he was pretty good with a slingshot, but he was useless. But anyway, uh, on the farm one day, he spotted his grandmother's pet duck. So he took aim and he fired. Normally, he couldn't hit a barn door, uh, you know, within 10 feet. But on this occasion, he hit the duck and he killed the duck and the duck died. Mm. So he panics and he buries the duck in the garden, only to look up to see that his sister was watching him. So that night, after dinner, grandmother said, oh, will you help me to do the dishes, wash up the dishes, Susie? And Susie said, yes, I will, grandmother. But you know what? Johnny said that he would love to help up with the washing up. In fact, he wants to do it all on his own. Didn't you, Johnny? And she whispered in his ear, remember the duck. (laughs) So Johnny was at the sink every night. And after four nights of this, he got fed up. And he said, I'm going to confess to my grandmother Anything is better than washing these dishes. So he said, Grandmother, do you know your pet duck? She said, yeah. Well, he said, I actually shot the duck and I buried it in your garden. I killed your duck and I'm so sorry. And her grandmother smiled and said, I know, Johnny, I was watching the whole thing from my window. She said, I was just wondering how long you were going to allow Susie to make a slave out of you. And when I heard that wow. story, there are so, you see, Johnny was forgiven, but he was still living enslaved to guilt because his sister was whispering in his ear, mm-hmm. remember the day. Mm-hmm. And how many, how many Christians are forgiven, but they still live enslaved to guilt as Satan whispers in their ear 24-7, he accuses the brethren, remember the day. Mm-hmm. Remember that abortion. Mm-hmm. Remember that divorce. Remember that uh, attempted suicide. Remember that sin as a Christian and you should have known better. And Satan continually whispers, remember the deck, convincing Christians that even though they're forgiven, judgment awaits when they die. Mm. And because his main purpose, he knows he can't steal our salvation. So he tries to steal the joy of it so that we do not enjoy the abundant life. Now, 
This is not a new problem. It happened in the early church, and John the Apostle had to address it. In 1 John chapter 4, um, he, verse 17 and 18, um, he says this, As we live in God, our love grows more perfect. Watch this. He's speaking to Christians now who are living with remember the death. So we will not be afraid on the day of judgment. There are Christians still living with the fear, either the fear of losing their salvation mm-hmm. or the fear of when of God will judge them because of their bad behavior as Christians. Exactly. John was addressing the situation. Mm. But watch this. He says, such love is no fear because perfect love spares all fear. Then he says, here's the reason you're afraid. If we are afraid, it is for fear of punishment and it shows that we've not fully experienced his perfect love. And I know this may sound very simplistic, but because Christians are not marinated or they do not have a revelation of the unconditional love of God, they live with this fear of judgment and they live in bondage to the devil whispering on a continual basis, remember the dark. Now, even even when we read 1 Corinthians 13, 1 Corinthians 13, the love chapter, is not a description of a love that God demands from us. It's a description of, of a love that God actually has for us. So when you read 1 Corinthians 13 from that perspective, love is patient. Love is kind. God is describing his love towards us, not a demand of how we should love him. Mm. And when I, when, I, when I started looking at this, there is one aspect of the love of God we have to embrace if we want to live above the accusing voice shouting, remember the dark, and it's this. Right at the end of the description of God's love for us, it says this, that his love keeps no record of wrongs. And if there's anyone in the Bible that illustrates this truth, it's Eve. But now stay with me, watch this. What a legacy, having a name, meaning the life giver, but being the means whereby Satan was allowed to bring death into the world. Imagine her sense of disgust the moment she realized what she'd done. Imagine her sense of horror as she saw her paradise turned into a hell. Imagine the sense of panic, the strange emotions never before experienced began to dance on her heart. Fear, loneliness, guilt. What are these? What's happening to me? And imagine the self sense of devastation as she saw her two sons' lives disintegrate before her eyes. Mm. And it was all because of what she did. So this, I want you to try to put yourself in her shoes. And amidst all this devastation, there was one promise from God that kept hope alive in her heart. He said, Eve, one day your seed is going to bruise the devil's head. And those words kept flooded back to her when all hope had gone. The tragedy of her sons, the hope had gone. 
And she's thinking, how can this promise come to pass? How can this happen? I don't deserve a second chance. But here's the wonderful thing about grace. God gave her a promise that didn't match the situation. For that's what grace does. It gives you a promise that doesn't match the situation. For where sin abounds, grace does superabound. Imagine Eve, up to now, everything that has come out of her has been a mess. And here's the question. What do you do when you've tried and you've failed and you want to quit? What do you do when you want to give up because trying again means hurting again, means risking again, means believing again, means hoping again? And I know there are people listening to me right now. You've survived the tragedy. You're the other side of the mess, but something inside you died in the process. And life has cost you so much that many of you are living on emotional overdraft. But God says to you today, as he said to Eve, Eve, I know you've messed up. I know this is the result of your choices. But but I'm not finished with you yet. There is going to be a divine replacement. Now watch this. And this is what God said to me when I read the story. He said, Eve, I'm going to supernaturally restore what your failure killed. And then I started to read Genesis chapter four. And it says this in verse 25. And Adam knew his wife again. There's always an again with God. And she bore a son and named him Seth. So when I started to read this, the birth of Seth not only gave Eve a new start, but God actually eradicated her sinful past so that she would no longer live with remember the deck, but it will be remember my grace. Mm. And this is amazing. This is amazing. Mm. God, God, I'm nearly through, but this, this is the revelation that you, we have to get this. God begins to rewrite her devastated history. Now watch this. In Genesis 4, verse 1 and 2, if this is the genealogy before the disaster. Now Adam knew his wife and she conceived and bore Cain and, and then she bore uh, Abel. So in Genesis 4, verse 1 to 2, that was the genealogy before the disaster. Well, we all know that got messed up. Then in Genesis 5, God starts to rewrite her history. It says this in Genesis 5, verse 1. This is the book of the genealogy of Adam. And I'm reading this. I said, God, but you said that in chapter 4. You said the genealogy was in chapter four. And he says, no, I'm God. I write the book. You just read it. Mm -hmm. So watch this. Genesis five. This is the book of the genealogy of Adam in the day that God created man. He made him in the likeness of God. And he goes on. And Adam lived 130 years and begot a son in his own likeness after his own image and named him Seth. It was as if God was rewriting her history, the genealogy through Eve, did not finish with the tragedy of Cain and Abel. But from God's perspective, it started with Seth. Mm. And so when Eve's critics would rise up and shout, remember the duck, Eve. Remember what you did. 
Remember all that stuff that you, this is the result of your decision. She'd hold up Seth with tears in her eyes. And she says, you're absolutely right. I can't argue with that. But according to heaven, my genealogy is not seeded in the consequences of my failure, but in the soil of God's mercy. Mm -hmm. And I don't know what sort of mess people are in as the result of their own decisions. I declare to you today, your genealogy does not end with your failure, but always begins with God's mercy. God's grace dismisses the firing squad. God's grace dismantles the gallows. God's grace disarms the executioner. And some of you, like Eve, are standing in the middle of a war zone created by your own choices. And you're wondering, can anything good come out of this? And the hopelessness you feel because, like Eve, you can't turn the clock back. But like Eve, God says to you, your genealogy is not seeded in your failure, but in my mercy. Mm. My mercy, now I'm coming to a close because this is the point I'm going to make which blew me away. My grace has not only forgiven you of your sin, but as far as heaven is concerned, I've cancelled out any record that it ever took place and God put it down in writing. And I'm going to finish with this. In Luke chapter 3, it's the genealogy of Jesus. And God puts this down, I believe, for Eve's benefit too. The genealogy of Jesus, Luke 3, verse 23 to 24, it starts off that he was 30 years of age and uh, he was the son of Magda, the son of Levi. And it goes all the way down. Sounds like a boring chapter until we get to verse 37 and 38. The son of Methuselah, the son of Enoch, the son of Jared, the son of Mahalel, the son of Canaan, the son of Enosh, the son of Seth, the son of Adam, the son of God. Where is Cain and Abel? Where is the record of the consequences of Eve's wrong? You know why it's not there? Because God's love keeps no record of wrongs. And I'm telling you, there are so many people who are living in the fear of judgment mm. and only a revelation of the grace of God and the love of God can release you from that fear and from that sense of, wow, when I face God, he's going to know on a daily basis, on a daily basis, because of the blood, his finished work, his blood and his grace, God keeps no record of wrongs. I think it's amazing. Mm, wow. It's powerful. Whoa. Wonderful stuff. Wonderful. Wonderful. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's a revelation that changed my life, like Ray, let me ask you about uh, how the, the, there are thousands of people listening to us now, and I know that one of the cries in the heart of so many believers is, yes. how, how can I grow in grace? How can I understand more of the grace of God? How can uh, that grace uh, impact my life and, and, and grow what, what would you say to somebody like that? Well, I mean, the first thing, you have 
this is, has to be embraced by faith. Mm-hmm. Because it's beyond reason, it's beyond any of your spiritual disciplines. Uh, it has to be embraced by faith, and it has to be received. The, the biggest problem with Christians is they don't know how to receive. Uh-huh. They, because they've been told for so long they have to repent. Mm-hmm. And Jesus walked into that room with a bunch of coward, backslidden d- disciples. He did not say repent. He said receive. And, and one of the hardest things Christians find to do, because we have a bias towards guilt and failure and judgment, is, is, it's in, it, it's, um, is when Jesus just says, I want you to receive. Okay, it's like this. Religion says, this is what you must do for me. Grace says, like he said to Bartimaeus, who, who did nothing, who didn't tithe, didn't go to church, didn't contribute to nothing. And grace says to Bartimaeus, and we're all in him, what do you want me to do for you? No strings attached. Mm-hmm. Religion says, this is what you must do for me. Mm-hmm. Grace says, what do you want me to do for you? Mm-hmm. And it starts mm-hmm. there, Terry. Mm-hmm. How, how would you uh, respond to uh, the verse that uh, James wrote in the chapter 4, verse 6? He said, mm-hmm. uh, "He said, God resists the proud, but gives mm-hmm. but gives grace to the humble." Mm. How would you, com- you How would you comment but, on that? Do you know Do you know what true humility is? Tell me. It's recognizing it's not about your sacrifice; it's about His. Mm-hmm. That's true humility. Mm-hmm. True humility is not a posture or a, um, a, a list of spiritual disciplines. No, it's, it's the opposite. It's realizing, I can't do this. I can't make myself holy. I can't make myself righteous. Humility is actually coming to the cross and say, Jesus, thank you mm. that you've done it all for me. That's true humility. That's right. I, th- I think also, I think here's one of the problems. See, because we have a bias, because the... Because we, ha- we love the rules. You see, um, grace has no rules. There's only one rule, that's love, right? So, but but we, we love to have our rules, and we love to have our... It, it's like this, there was, like, there, was a, there was a guy fishing, and he saw this other guy fishing, and this guy was catching the big fish, and he was throwing the big fish back into the river, um, he was throwing the big fish back into the mirror, but he was keeping the small fish. So the guy went up to him and says, why are you throwing the big fish back into the river? And the guy says, well, they don't fit into my frying pan. <laughs> and, and, and that is a picture of a law-based Christian being confronted with grace. The unconditional love of God does not fit into a law-based frying pan. Okay. So they check it out. Uh-huh. His his unmerited favor doesn't fit into their frying pan. They've got to have the boundaries of the little frying pan. Oh, yes. Well, do you understand what I'm saying? Uh-huh. So that's what a law-based life looks like. Right. And it throws away the generosity of God doesn't fit into the frying pan of a legalist. That's wonderful. Mm. Wow. Isn't that a great picture? 
It's it beautiful. <laughs> wonderful. Yeah, it is. So get rid of the frying pan. Mm. That's the thing. See, with grace, there's no frying pan. Gotcha. That's it. Yeah. There's just uh, fish and chips. Jet mate, as big as you want, and as much as you want. <laughs> Cotter Haddock. Cotter Haddock. Come on. It doesn't make any difference. You can have whale on toast. It makes no difference. Whale on toast. <laughs> <laughs> no, mate, the Norwegians are crazy. Do you know what? The Norwegians have got a T-shirt with dolphins on the front of it, and it says, we would eat these two. <laughs> Come on. That's it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's good. Oh, oh that's, that's rich. Wonderful, uh, rich. That's right, rich message um, that you yeah. shared with us. Uh, yeah. Any, any, any final closing thoughts? Uh, let me ask a question, Ray. Uh, if if somebody wanted to, somebody within our uh, sphere, people that we're reaching through our podcast, wanted to hook up with you. Uh, do, yeah. you, do you have any address or how how would we inform them so they could hear more of what you're teaching and what you've got to say? Well, um, if they go on to my, my local church is uh, kings-church.org.uk, um, then they could, they could go onto that website and they could find my resources on there. Mm-hmm. Um, they can also follow me on Instagram, just Ray Bevan. Mm-hmm. He's a great and follow. Twitter. Great follow. Yeah. A great what? Am I? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Great. Thank I you very much. Thank you very much, Scott. Appreciate it. <laughs> Trouble is, I can't, I can't send, I, I, you know, I can't send many videos from South Africa. They're not uploading. Anyway, yeah. So follow me on, follow me on Instagram and stuff like that, Terry. You know, yeah. okay. I think that would be the best way. Because I know a lot of folk would like to hear more from you. And uh, we're so grateful you've taken your time. You're a very busy man. And uh, God is using you in wonderful ways. And uh, we are grateful for the fact that you've taken time out of your schedule to come and talk with us and to share the wonderful message of grace. And, uh, well, we, uh, my, my pleasure. My schedule right down is 21-day lockdown in a five-bedroom house by the beach. So I'm not going anywhere. <laughs> <laughs> Well, maybe I'm, maybe I'm going to have to go over there and break up the boredom for a while. Oh, you have to, mate. Yeah, we have to make, create an incident like we used to do. <laughs> okay. <laughs> <laughs> hey, Dad, would you would you pray for Pray and um, and uh, his ministry mm. and uh, his health during the lockdown and all this stuff? And uh, yeah, why don't you leave us in prayer? Heavenly Father, uh, we're so grateful for. The variety in the kingdom of God, mm. the gifts that you've given to the church, the gifts that you've given to your children, and we honor the gift that you've given and placed in Ray Bevan's life, and we thank you for what he means to the body of Christ. And even now, as he is in South Africa and uh, looking toward you and, and the good things that you have, I just pray that you will strengthen him, that you will hold him up and that you will bless him in every way possible and we believe that that grace even now reaches out to bless him in the name of the Lord and we thank you Amen Amen (laughs) Amen
<laughs> what was oh, going on in the what, background? What happened? <laughs> oh, sorry, mate. The, the TV just came on. I had it on mute. I, I had it on mute. And then all of a sudden, do you know what? Mate, honestly, I feel freaked out. I thought, there's somebody in my house. There's somebody broken in. There's somebody broken in. <laughs> you, need to re- you need to rebuke that. Rebuke the TV. I was. I was. I was, rebu- I was running around the house seeing who was here, and it was the TV came on. <laughs> <laughs> oh, classic moment. Well, I hope you received classic. the prayer. <laughs> oh, I did, mate. Hey, I've enjoyed. I've enjoyed this. I hope it'll bless a lot of people. Eh? Well, oh, you know, well, we we hope it will as well, and believe God, and uh, bless you. All right, bud. Okay. All right. Catch you later. Be blessed. You All right. Thanks, guys. You yeah. bet. Take care. Bye-bye. Bye bye. Bye. It's very good. Well, thanks uh, for listening to us, and uh, we hope you enjoyed the great message from Ray Bevan. He's a, uh, quite a firecracker, Welsh firecracker. Glad to be uh, with you. Grace and peace on you all, and we'll talk to you soon. Thank you for listening today to the Conversations Podcast with Terry Law and Scott Law. We hope you enjoyed it. This podcast has been brought to you by our sponsor, Terry Law Speaks. Go to terrylawspeaks.com and be sure to subscribe to our podcast on iTunes, Google Play, and many of the other major podcast platforms. You can also find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. We'll see you next time as we continue to share the love and grace of God with you and with those who've yet to hear.